Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode seven of Small Room. I am here with my friend Cliver Squinto. Is that how you say it? Sukino. Sukino. I butchered that so much. Cliver Sukinto. Um, Sukino. I, I don't know how to say it. Just one That's more fine. Time. All right. Episode seven. Known him for three years. Cly, tell them what you're famous for. I don't I don't I don't like I don't think I'm like famous. Uh I feel like I feel like I don't know. I don't think I'm famous. I just think uh I know a lot of people and a lot of people know me. I think I think that is because I um get along with people really well, I think. So I would say that's why I'm famous. But yeah. Alright. Uh well here's my first question to you. Uh, in your four years at Gables, what are the things you've done? This is for the audience. I know what you've done, but go. The four, the uh, the things I've done in my four years at Gables. Let's see. Well, I'll start from like ninth grade. Uh, ninth grade, I didn't really do anything uh, except sell my Xbox, and I think uh, that was like that's like the only I I wasn't really involved in ninth grade, but I think selling my Xbox was kind of like the the um the the what do you call this thing the trampoline that kind of like uh propelled me like forward um because from that point on I just kind of was really in this mentality of I should get involved in school I should do a lot better in school and I did just that uh sophomore year I ooh sophomore year I didn't really do anything sophomore year either like uh, in terms of like getting involved, I just kind of talked to people a lot more. Uh, I got to know a lot more people. Um, junior year is where like I did get involved, I guess. Um, I joined Italian club. I was secretary. Um, this was the year that Miss Chase came back. She was uh, off um, of a year because she was on maternity leave. Um, what else did I do junior year? Um, oh, well, I guess... Oh, well, no, we're talking about Gables. Never mind. I mean, you can talk about whatever you want outside of Gables. Yeah, just oh, no, your own. Your com- All right, just get to the stuff you've done in Gables, and then if you want to talk about anything you feel like you've done big within the community outside of Gables, go right ahead. I'm trying to remember my junior year. I don't really remember. I don't think I got involved in anything else. Oh, I mean, I got into um, the Unified Champion Schools. Uh, with Daniel Toll. Daniel Toll is one of your guests. I, I watched that one. Oh, thanks. Uh, you know, he was he's just a great leader, and he said, hey, you should. You should. And I was like, oh, that. So I did. Uh, and then I sort of got involved with Cavs Connect towards like the end of the year because um, I became sports editor, and they kind of wanted to show me some things. So I got involved with that late in the game. And then my senior year, I was involved um, – in Cavs Kennick as a sports editor. Um, I became president of the Italian club. Um, I got involved in IBHS. Um, yeah, I think that's all I've done in high school. Wow, what a resume. Like, yeah. I mean, I, I think that's just about as much as I've done and a lot of other people have done. Now, first things first, let's go for the biggest stake in the house, uh, Italian. You're the president of Italian Honor Society, right? At Gables? 
Yeah, the Italian club. It's not an honor society, particularly because um, I feel like honor societies have this, um, this like stigma attached where you have to be involved or you have to do service. And we kind of didn't want, oh, so Italian club before this year was only open to students who were taking the Italian course or any Italian course. Um, but I sat with Ms. Chase and we talked and I was like, you know, we both kind of agreed that I think the best way for this club to move on is to, you know, include everybody, regardless of what language they take. Maybe they don't even take a language. And we did just that. And we expanded from about 25 members. And we have like a very consistent 80 uh, members per like meeting. And I think that was really big. Um, and we were able to get a lot of funds. Um, we were working on some uh, fundraising things. Didn't really work out because of coronavirus. Um, huh. But yeah, uh, we wanted Italian club to be not a, not a service club. We wanted it to be a, a fun club where we share the unique culture that is Italian culture. You know, Italian culture is unique to the country of Italy uh, versus like uh, Spanish culture, which is shared and is very different, but is similar in a lot of ways to a lot of Hispanic and Latin countries. Um, French, uh, French culture is shared through several different countries as well. So we just wanted to share the beauty of the beauty of Italian culture through that club, sharing food, music, stories, games, things like that. And yeah. All right. And do you think your efforts within, within the Italian club to expand membership have been successful? I think they were very successful. Um, uh, the year uh, where we only had 25 members, that was last year. That was my junior year. Um, there were only about three people that were like, oh, man, I really want to join Italian club. Um, but we had a really huge success during the club fair earlier in the year. Um, we had some really cool props and stuff. And uh, basically, uh, I guess the the fact that we the club was open to everybody was a big deal for a lot of people because uh, we had over 150 signups which was a big step up again from like 25 the year before. Um, but you know, not everybody commits to that sign up. Not everybody, well, you know, everyone shows up like the first meeting and then, you know, people get busy and stuff and they, the numbers start to do well. But um, I would say it was, success, it was a success. Only club at school that has two Italian club shirts. First one got a little messed up, but we got the second one for free. So I think a lot of people like that. Um, and yeah, I think our efforts were very successful and I hope that they continue to be successful in the future. Uh, I've done a lot of uh, organization things for the club so that everything is pretty much set for the future. Um, we lacked a lot in organization, I would say. Pictures, um, just documents being collected and things like that. So um, uh, the board and I, uh, another senior uh, who is on the board, Daniela Borospi, um, has actually helped a lot with the organization as well. And um, yeah, so I think I think Italian Club is on the rise. All right. Uh, note that Italian Club is on the rise. You guys should join next year if we're even going to be back at school next year. Um, every meeting. Every meeting. Food in general. Food. All right. Italian food. Now, um, 
I wanted to get to your role in Cavs Connect thus far this year. And when I interviewed Daniel, I know that before he was editor-in-chief, he was sports editor. But because that wasn't his highest position, I sort of, like, looked over the sports position. And I didn't really ask him what that was like. And that's basically my question to you. How, how has the process of being sports editor been? Well, first of all, I couldn't have been sports editor. I couldn't have done uh, the things that I have done without Daniel Toll, who was such a great sports editor for the past two years before he became editor-in-chief, I believe. Um, but uh, Daniel has been an extreme help, and I'm super grateful for him. Um, but I've had a great support system over at Cavs Connect. Uh, in terms of, you know, me being first-year editor and things like that. Um, but I'm glad that you took a shot on me. Uh, uh, took a chance on me. Is that it? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so being a sports editor, I think, is really fun because I've had the opportunity to connect with a lot of the people uh, that are in Caps Connect. So the majority of them are freshmen. Uh, we had a really big uh, influx of young people enter Caps Connect which is really good because, um, you know, beginning the early, the, excuse me, the learning process early on, I think is really important. Um, and well, being sports editor, my responsibilities pretty much are, um, you know, paying attention to sporting events at school, um, uh, sports scheduling, uh, adding the scores on the site, um, looking over articles, obviously, looking over pictures, looking over scores, um, basically just looking for accurate information, uh, helping some of the students with their interviews for uh, school athletes and looking over articles that don't necessarily have to do with school. So like the um, college or professional sports uh, section, uh, we do, I look at that. Um, the, editor, the editor in chiefs also look, in, look at that uh, just to make sure that our content is um, Relatable, interesting, fun, exciting, you know what I mean? Um, but yeah, and I think overall, like, I think the biggest responsibility of being a sports editor is being a friend. Um, because I feel like without, you know, being a friend and being myself around the, um, the I, I'm going to call them learners because that's what I, that's what I feel that they are. And that's what I feel I was too. Um, you know, if I sit here and try to be a perfect, sports editor like I don't make mistakes I feel like that's setting the wrong example because you know in life you know everything's not perfect everything's not a straight line everything is you know bumps in the road I make mistakes uh the mistakes that I make I try to point it out to them listen I did this this was really bad don't do this you know try to do this um better uh, I also help with time management and I feel like um this is also really important for the learners because um, a lot of them are going into the IB program and things like that. So I think that, you know, the deadlines um, are very important going forward because as well, you and I know deadlines are really important. So yeah, I feel like this, my responsibility is being a friend and, you know, being a learner along with them. And I think that's how you can be the best teacher. Now, um, you joined Cavs Connect last year, like middle middle part of junior year. Um, when you joined, uh, did you think you were going to become a sports editor? Funny story. I well, funny. Well, okay. Look, funny story about Italian club too. Uh, go ahead. So, um, 
I initially applied to Couch Connect as a staff writer because I was sitting in Miss um, Prado's class. It was AP Calc. Um, and I was sitting behind Alexander Yagoda, who was editor-in-chief this year. And um, it was, like, around the time that, like, the applications were rolling out. And he was, like, you just doing Couch Connect. And I was, like, sure, why not? Like, journalism is cool. So I applied. And then I did my interview. It went, like, really well. And um, someone else was going to be sports editor initially. But uh, something happened, and they were not going to be sports editor anymore. Um, and Daniel was like, hey, so I got this opportunity for you to be sports editor. And I was like, sure, sure. And so I said, okay. And I was like, but I'm going to need a lot of help because I don't really know. And Daniel was like, bro, stop. And then I was like, okay, you're going to help me which he did and like I'm super grateful for it, but um yeah no I wasn't I wasn't thinking oh yeah I'm gonna be sports editor next year I was thinking oh I'm gonna be uh learning about journalism and Cal so yeah Italian club also uh I didn't apply to be president I because I didn't want to go for the president because I thought someone else was going to do it but it turns out she wasn't even in the club so I was like oh and then Miss Chase was like, I need to talk to you. And then she was like, I need you to be president next year. And I was like, okay. And then, yeah, I became president of Italian Club. So, I, yeah. No, you were going to say something? No, 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 no. All right. Uh, I mean, I think that's pretty, like, a funny coincidence that uh, you were, you were, you know how they say, like, aim for the like aim for the the stars and you'll land on the moon i think for you it was like the opposite way around where it was like you were aiming for the stars and then you just haven't like you were aiming for something and then you got something even bigger yeah now let's talk about sports yeah uh how how is i'm not a big sports person uh you're clearly into sports how has the game been how how's the game been affected by corona the sports game the sports game is currently what we'd like to call dead. Um, it's uh, completely non-existent. I know there are efforts going on to, uh, you know, Wimbledon was canceled. The NBA season is angling to be canceled. Um, everything has been like postponed and they're canceled so far. Olympics postponed to next year. Um, I think uh, with this whole coronavirus, I think they're, I think uh, sports, I don't call them organizations, are doing a good job of being cautious and kind of, you know, everyone make sure that you and your families are safe, um, that their faculty and, and staff are safe. Um, I think they're doing a good job of that. Uh, and I think that fans have been, uh, you know, they're being patient. A lot of people are running out of patience. Um, V2, I, you know, sports is... Sports is part of the culture. Do you know what I mean? Sports is the biggest thing for, like, people who love sports and even people who don't like sports. You know, sometimes maybe, like, their dad is watching, like, soccer sitting there and you just miss hearing the noise of the commentators in the background. Anyway, uh, Corona has really hit the sports game. And uh, I, I miss sports. A lot of people do. And hopefully um, Corona gets tamed and controlled uh, very quickly uh, for not just for sports sake, but for a lot of things sake. Yeah. 
All right. This next question is completely random, but I feel like it needs to be asked. Cly, why did you not do Mr. Coral Gables? Why did you not rep the Italian club? Oh, that's right. That's funny. So, funny, funny story. I guess everything is a funny story, but it's not actually funny. Anyway, I actually filled out my application for Mr. Coral Gables. And I was going to do it simply because I was president of Italian club. I was going to do it simply as a publicity stunt. I, I don't even mind saying that. And I, you know, the day before it was like do or whatever. I looked at the application and I was like, is this something that I really want to do? And I was like, no, it's not. So I ripped up my application and I took a picture of it and I sent it to the boys and I was like, yeah, I'm not doing this. And then somehow everyone got that picture. I was like, oh my God, why are you doing Mr. Coral Gables? And I was like, I, it's not for me. And then everybody was like, oh, come on, but it's so fun. It has nothing to do with this or that. But I just, I, you know, I just didn't, I just didn't want to do it. You know what I mean? I get you. I get you. I mean, it was really a lot of fun. And I think that because all the other senior activities were canceled, I treasure the time that I spent rehearsing with the boys for Mr. Coral Gables. I will, I almost, I will say I'm proud of every single person who ran for Mr. Coral Gables. I, I kind of, I kind of regret not doing it because I was watching like some of the footage and it looks like you guys were having so much fun. Oh dude, the fun we were having was insane. Yeah, I was like, geez, they look like they had fun. And I actually went and I supported all of you. And I was, you know, taking pictures for Capskinic, videos for Capskinic. Um, and yeah, I'm just, it was a really cool experience, at least watching it. Um, and, you know, I'm glad that all of you had fun and that it was actually a really great, it was a really great senior activity. Um, and well, like for, for you guys and for, well, it wasn't, it's not a senior activity because there were some juniors. Yeah, there were some juniors, but yeah. It was, it was a great experience for for the whole school, I think, because that's really funny. <laughs> I I mean, we were, you know, we were supposed to get back together, right, for April 22nd. Uh, there was going to be, like, a Gable end-of-year review for all, this, all, like, all the dances he had done so far, and Ms. Diaz loved us all so much that for the first time in history, all – all the Mr. Coral Gables boys were going to come back and do the dance. I mean, all the ones who wanted to, at least, were going to come back with our shirts and do, like, the opening act dance. Yeah. But it was it was on April 22nd. But now, because of COVID-19, that is all gone. <laughs> oh, and you guys, you guys did the... You guys the dance at Bridge for Peace, yeah. Yeah, at Bridge for Peace. That was insane. That was insane. Oh, dude. Yeah, I... I love Mr. Coral Gables. Um, it's not for everyone. It was a lot, like, it's a lot of work. And if you're not up for, like, all the, like, the six weeks of dancing, I get it. But at the same time, it was really fun. And and even if you didn't do it, I feel like if you, if you went to the show and you saw all the Mr. Coral Gables commercials, you were there with the fight and the, and the sweat with all of us. Now, uh, let's talk about what you've done outside of Gables. What have you done outside of Gables? I became part of a um, youth group uh, towards the end of my eighth grade year. Uh, it's called Youth Group One at Corpus Christi Catholic Church. That's where I had been. I had been going to um, that church sort of on and off, but I, you know, me and my, my family and I we started going. 
uh, we actually started going to one of the missions, not the actual like church. Um, and you know, I'm not a like religion guy. I'm more of like a, you know, I have my faith and I take pride in my faith and that's probably my, my strongest thing. I don't know what you'd call it, but you know, I got involved with the youth group after I met one of my friends. He's currently uh, in the Marines and um, I met him during like Thanksgiving break. Uh, the church had a festival and I worked it for the first time. I said, why not? I have nothing better to do. And uh, we were talking for like a while and he was just like, Hey, you should join youth group. And I was like, yeah, it sounds cool. And I, you know, that like, oh, I'm not actually gonna do it, but yeah, it sounds cool. Kind of, yeah, that sounds cool. Anyway, I actually went and I was really scared because there's so many people and they all knew each other and I was just sitting in the corner, like, like I was literally just like, and I knew no one. And then they forced me to stand up and like introduce myself. And that was probably like really hard because I was like shaking and I was like, oh my God, I don't know what I'm doing here. But it was a really nice experience. And I started going every day, every, well, we meet every Friday, started going every Friday since. And, um, you know, I have a really strong connection with that youth group and the community. We've done uh, several things uh, at our annual festival, uh, raising money, um, donating to communities. Um, uh, I also became an auto server. And from there, I've been able to do a lot of things uh, for communities abroad and communities here. Yeah. Are we, what's an altar boy? Altar boy is like, um, it's sort of like when an acolyte is, it's like um, you essentially help the priest um, not do the mass, but you help him do certain things in the mass. So um, like, for example, you help um, bring the offering to the front. Um, you help set up the altar, things like that. Yeah. All right. Um, now, like, what community service have you done with, within the church? Within the church, I have, um, not that it matters, but I have, I have over, like, 900 hours of community service. Wait, um, can you say that again? I have over 900 hours of community 900. service. 900. All right. Yeah. Uh, from my youth group. Um, you know, working since, like, the ending of my eighth grade. Uh, our, our biggest thing is probably, because uh, we have an annual festival. It's called the Corpus Christi Family Festival. And what we do, what as what the youth group does is um, we do, we make pina coladas from scratch, um, non-alcoholic, and um, we we sell them. And recently we all, we actually sold um, ice cream. We got an ice cream machine. Uh, we bought it off of an auction because we raised money and we were able to sell ice cream for the past two years. And then I don't really know if that's gonna still happen because somehow they stole the ice cream machine um, I don't know how, and there's no footage of it. It just kind of disappeared, and everyone's kind of like, what? Like Carol Baskin's husband. Like Carol Baskin's husband. Our ice cream machine is probably at the bottom of the septic tank. Anyway, um, yeah, we, we raise money by selling Pinkalas. That's basically our big thing. We also do, um, we also sell, um, uh, we do a fundraiser for donuts. Individually, we do like a pre-sale. We sell like boxes. We go to our like individual churches and try to sell boxes. Like, please buy a ten dollar box. I hope. And then people are usually like, "Oh my God, yes, here." And then um, we actually end up selling donuts, coffee, orange juice uh, at the parish hall during the seventy. Well, well, this year, this past year was the seventy fifth anniversary of the church. But every year that it's the anniversary of the church, we do that to raise money. 
and it usually works pretty good. So, yeah. All right. Uh, now let's get to church. As you know, all non-essential gatherings have been banned, and one of those has included church. In your opinion, is church an essential gathering? Yes or no? I don't think that church is an essential gathering. And here's why. Because um, what I've learned is that the church is not the actual place. I've learned that the church is actually the people. And I don't think that it's an essential gathering because it's, you know, we are given free will. And I believe that, you know, getting together as a community is a voluntary thing. Um, you know, weeks before, like days before it, like the whole, um, everything was canceled. Um, I would attend mass. Well, I can't go on Sundays. I go on Fridays because I work. Um, so I would go on Fridays and there'd be people like coughing sick, still going and people would be like, please stay home. Please stay home. Um, now they're forced to stay home, but, um, the whole thing was it's, it's a voluntary thing. So I don't think it's essential because it's not, um, you know, it's, we don't have to like, we don't rely on going to church for like spiritual connection, or at least I don't think people should, because I, I believe that your faith is something that's, you know, individualistic, but that you learn in a community. I don't know if that makes sense. No, it makes perfect sense. Uh, but, now, yeah. Now, my mom um, is also religious. Um, what she's been doing now and what my aunt and my grandparents have been doing is uh, now on Sunday, they go to the like YouTube and they watch like a live stream from the Vatican or from the church in Mexico where the painting of the Virgen de Guadalupe is. Yeah. And you mentioned how church is a non-essential gathering because it's because what matters at the end of the day is the people at church and that sense of community that you built. Now, my question to you is, have you been in touch with the people at your church since this? So, um, I've been in touch with, Oh, um, I've been in touch with, um, Gables has like, a uh, well, it's like a revamped Bible club. It's called first priority Gables. Um, fellow senior Axel Panameño actually, uh, like worked on re like revamping the club um and so i've been in touch with them through zoom uh i've also been in touch with my youth group through zoom we have our our talks uh this friday we had a talk about um stress and perseverance and um getting through that and you know we each had like opportunity to speak about uh something that like something that's like stressing us and um you know we were there praying for them on mute in the chat amen sis preach sis you know on, on zoom uh, but yeah I've ha i have been in touch with them um i've also well my mom will put the live um because my church does the, the mass live they do one in english and spanish they'll put it on the tv and it's there um my friend uh axel panamanu who's involved at a uh, Wu church also does a uh, Wu church does live streams like crazy amount of times like uh, 10, 11, 12, 2, 4, 6, 8 p.m. on Sundays. Um, they're probably doing one now. I wouldn't be surprised. Um, but, uh, and he's been in touch with his youth group through Zoom as well. So 
I think the this whole Zoom movement is a uh, very is it's very helpful in having and getting people to communicate and connect. Um, you know, even while we're social distancing. All right. Um, now, how, what are your plans for Easter now that church is going to be very well shut down on Sunday and now that gatherings of like more than 10 people are highly unrecommended? What's your plan? My plan for Easter is drink as much coffee as I can. For Lent, uh, it's like a 40-day period where you um, sacrifice something, you participate in abstinence. I give up coffee. Um, which, you know, really hurt, but on Sunday, I'm going to drink all the coffee that I can. No, but in serious, in all seriousness, um, plans for Easter, I'm, I probably, I'm probably going to work on Sunday, I think, um, if we, if we don't close by then, but I, I don't know what my plans would be. We'll probably, I don't even think we're going to buy eggs, if I'm being completely honest. Um, I don't don't really know, but I don't know what our plans for for Easter will be maybe we'll sit all together and watch the passion of Christ or something. I don't know. Uh, all right. Now you mentioned your job. What exactly is your job? Uh, I thought you'd never ask. I work at a sub shop. It's called, um, sub rages. Um, it, there's like three locations. There's one by FIU. Um, there's one in Cutler Bay and the one that I work at is by the airport on 58th and 36th in Virginia Gardens. Um, my job is to take people's orders, uh, put stuff on a piece of bread and give it to them so that they can eat it. It's my job. Um, other than like cleaning and things like that, that's my job. All right, so you're a sandwich maker, right? Yes, I'm a sandwich artist. Artist. You said- That's so- our title. What was the name of the place again? Subrageous. Subrageous? Yeah, like outrageous. Oh, okay. I see. I see. So outrageous that has the word, the prefix sub in rageous. Don't worry. For the thumbnail, I'll make sure to put the logo of subrageous in there for you. I got yeah. you. And I'll put the Italian flag and everything. Uh, you'll see. You'll see. All right. Unrelated topic. What did you think about Tiger King, Joe Exotic? I actually watched all of it except like the last nine minutes, but my main takeaways from Tiger King are um, Joe Exotic Exotic was set up. What Joe Exotic was doing with the cub petting and the cub breeding and the cub selling and all that is wrong. Cody Ansel is a liar and he's wrong about not killing the cubs. I, Carol Baskin won, but she did kill her husband. And I say that she did kill her husband because of, well, I haven't had like the chance. I've actually, I've actually wanted to talk about this with someone, uh, someone that you're very familiar with, uh, Mr. Scott Nelson. Oh, Mr. Nelson would say he, if, if I were like, I don't know. I feel like Mr. Nelson would definitely say she killed her husband. Like there's just no way. I just, her responses and her, just her overall demeanor about it was very, very questionable. And I just, she killed her husband. Okay. Okay. For those who haven't seen Tiger King, Carol Baskins is this huge animal, like animal wildlife activist. And 
Um, she was married to this guy named Don Lewis up until the day that he disappeared, quote unquote. And the reason why people believe that she did kill her husband was a he had filed a restraining order on June on June, where basically he's saying, "Oh, she threatened to kill me twice." And I'm looking for help. Please separate me from this woman. And the day before he disappeared, quote unquote, two or three of his friends were basically saying the last conversation they had with him that day before he disappeared was, I'm gonna I'm gonna divorce Carol. Marrying her was the worst mistake of my life. And I feel like my life is genuinely endangered. He disappears within this 40-something acre land. And the and, and that's the reason why people think that Carol did it was because she had the means and she had the motives. And people are saying that either Carol shot him, chopped him up, like grinded him up with the meat grinder at the facility, fed him to the tigers, or hit him under the septic tank. And although the septic tank. you think he's under the septic tank or meat grinder? I think he's in the septic tank. I think he I think he's under the meat grinder. I think putting him However, in the- however I thought it was really funny that um, I forgot what she said, but they were talking about like, um, they're talking about like killing someone, like feeding them to the tigers. And her response was like, you know, you should feed them in like sard, you should dip them in like sardine oil or something like that. Oh, you- oh, I remember. I thought that was a very peculiar, very oddly specific. exact, specific type of oil, whatever. I just no, she not, did it. I, 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 I. Uh, for those of you who don't know, basically, uh, Joe Exotic got, like, his leg a little bit bitten by one of the tigers, and he thinks that Carol Raskin, like, got, like, sorry, like, got something that the tiger would want to chew up, and, and, like, basically pounced at it, and her response was, oh, I wouldn't do that, look, I wouldn't put something, like, literal, if you really wanted to, like, get him, you would, like, smother his whole body, body in sardine oil, and yeah, that was really creepy and what was that was really specific. But aside from the evidence of the of the restraining order request and the talking with the friends and and Don's former wife and children, what really sold me about it was her creepy response. If you in the documentary, there's there's a video of asking her, "Oh, well, like what was the last time you saw your husband?" and and like they asked her that back in like 1997 when he disappeared and then they compare it to when they asked her now and her response is exactly the same robotic line for line she repeats the word easy or easily like three times and i think that really put me off because i feel like when you're telling when you're trying to remember something from the truth you don't have it exactly coded word for word I feel like that's just something that she said to create an alibi for herself. And yeah, she definitely did it. Definitely. Now, do you think... Go. No, Uh, I'm saying check the septic tank. Check the septic tank. All right. I'm still on team meat grinder, though. I'm still on team meat grinder. Okay. All right. Here's my question to you. Uh, Do you think that Tiger King would have blown up as much as it did if this pandemic weren't around? Or do you think like, do you, th- my, my question is basically, do you think, all right, it still would have had the same level of, of success regardless, or do you think that um, the only reason why it blew up was because of the pandemic? I'll be completely honest. People are bored. Everybody's usually busy. 
so we watch things that are like popular but i think i think if everybody was like still working today everyone was still going to school i think i think i think it would have still blown up because of like the memes uh so i think people would be would have been inclined to watch it specific especially since it's like seven episodes and each episode is like 40 minutes so it's like i feel like it's very a very watchable thing i think it still would have blown up because uh, it's a very peculiar very messy very weird odd story but the music is fire so yeah yeah i mean i'm of the belief that i think that it would have blown up equally regardless at, regardless of with this pandemic or not but i definitely do think that the pandemic helped and my reasoning for why i think this would have blown blown up is just because it's such an interesting topic and the way they did it was so perfectly engaging that I think people would have been hooked and they still would have been talking about it regardless. Now, I wouldn't have gone around to it as fast as I did because of this pandemic. Yeah. But I still would have, you know, eventually uh, gone to it. But yeah, this pandemic is making people bored. They got nothing better to do. Hey, let's watch a meme about Joe Exotic. But funny thing is, the first time I heard about Joe Exotic wasn't actually from the documentary itself. I don't know if you saw, but I watch a lot of John Oliver religiously. And back in 2016, he posted this episode of Third Party Candidates, basically talking about Jill Stein and Gary Johnson. But before mentioning those two, he mentioned Joe Exotic within the context of of a third party candidate. Because back in 2016, you know, he was doing his thing. Uh-huh. And he was, yeah. Okay. He was running for president. He showed his commercial. He was like, I'm a gay man. There's this bitch in Florida who's suing me, and I'm running for president. I'm not going to wear a suit. I don't take no shit. Vote Joe Exotic. Yeah. I thought that was really funny. Like, the whole him running for running for president and running for governor. I thought that was really Dude, he got 20% in, like, the Libertarian yeah, I saw Party. That. I was like, damn, he actually, oh, my God. He actually did pretty well. Yeah. But yeah, overall, I thought Tiger King was very, very interesting. And uh, yeah, I thought it was a very good uh, documentary. I thought it was very, like, it was very engaging. It was really like, wait, but I thought, wait, but this, it was just, it was dope. I liked it. Uh, aside from Tiger King, like, what else have you watched? Like, what's been your one or two or three shows that you've been watching? Shows, movies? I, I haven't actually been, like, watched things tiger king was like the first, this tiger king was like my first attempt at like watching something on netflix um but i did watch uh i don't know if you guys know okay when i was little the greatest cartoon in the world was avatar the last airbender i was the best cartoon ever but when like uh uh the legend of korra which is like the second avatar um came out i only watched like the first season i didn't watch all of it so i ended up watching all of it but I was watching it like throughout school, like the before school got canceled, and then I just finished watching it like the first week after. But that's it. All right. Uh, personally, for me, uh, other than Tiger King, which I, which I just re- recently watched, the thing that I've been hooked on is I know this is gonna sound crazy, but How I Met Your Mother, uh, It's Always Sunny and South Park. Those have been like my three go-tos. They're all on Hulu. And I don't, and if you, 
haven't watched How I Met Your Mother, for the love of God, do yourself a favor. Watch How, ha, watch how I Met Your Mother. Have you watched it? I haven't watched, like, 90% of the shows that everyone has watched. Okay, so. that's that's fair. That's fair. Um, <laughs> I suck at watching stuff. How I Met Your Mother, better than Friends, better than The Office. I will stand by that opinion any day. That's a claim. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You watch The Office? I love The Office. Okay. Love, you love The Office or you don't like The no, Office? No, I like The Office, but I, I think The Office is a little bit overrated in my opinion. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> I don't know how I feel about Stephen Copas. Uh, do you want me to give my reasoning why? Yes, actually, I would like to hear your reasoning. Okay. Um, the first season. Wait, you said it was overrated? Yeah. Okay. Overrated, overrated. Okay. Now, I, I'm not. That doesn't mean it's a bad show. Oh, I yeah. Think, no, no, no. I think I it's. Curious. Yeah, I think it's good. Uh, but here, here is my reasoning. Uh, the first season was bad. Oh, sorry. Okay. I, I, I agree with that. Like, and I mean, so unwatchably bad that I had to I, pushing through the first season, and it's it's only seven episodes was a mission. You don't understand, a mission. And then... I agree with that. And then second season was, A, A, the ball was rolling. But I think it was really the th- from the third season that things really started to, to get on point. But then from third season to fourth season to fifth season, sixth season, and even, though, even seventh season were all good seasons. But then after Michael Scott leaves... Yeah, and the I agree with that. Is when the show gets... Like, not good. I'm sorry. The show is bad after Michael Scott leaves. And it was so good. It just wasn't, it just wasn't, it wasn't the same. It was Plus different. It, was, it, wasn't, it, didn't hit, it didn't hit right. Yeah, no. Okay. Just and, the Michael Scott, I needed that. And although I love Michael Scott, this is also part of it. I think Michael Scott's a little bit too unnecessarily mean and like unnecessarily selfish. Like, I... Like he's funny, but I, just as a person, I don't like. I don't click with him. I feel him. I really like Steve Carell, though. That's why right. I'm kind of low key like, oh my god, Steve Carell's like the goat. So oh, he, kept me on, like, he is watching. The Office overall is like, uh, I would say an eight out of ten, but I think I they're just. I, I think there are just so many other better sitcoms and comedy shows like parks and rec 30 rock the show with the cops i forgot what it was called um um uh what's it called um i know you're talking about uh uh i have to listen i'm not all right with cops oh um uh with the girl what's her name Andy Sandberg. It's like Brooklyn Nine Nine. Brooklyn Nine Nine. Oh, dude, that oh, was. No. Yeah. Okay, that one's better. Um, How I Met Your Mother. Once again, that '70s show. Just all those sitcoms. I feel like, the like the quality. Actually, not that '70s show, but all the all the, all the other ones. The quality is just more consistent throughout, and especially with Parks and Rec. Like when you compare it to The Office, sure, The Office is funnier at times, but I think just in terms of like plot and writing. From beginning to end, Parks and Rec just clicks. I'm stuck on season four of Parks and Rec. I never finished it. I'm on season four. 
Like, yeah. That's the best season, I think. Really? That's the yeah. one where um Amy Poehler, what's her name? Um, Leslie Nope. Leslie Nope. She's like running for like city council or something. Yeah, she is. She's running for city council, and and she goes campaigning around. And she's yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's where I left off. And yeah. then like, it gets, I forgot his name. Her like, partner at the time. They're getting very romantically. Ooh, but then it's kind of like the campaign. And it's getting like Ben Wyatt. Ben Wyatt. Yep. All right. It's a great show. It it is a great show. Yeah. Um. Once again, um, if you have nothing to do, um, Parks and Rec, Thirty Rock, How I Met Your Mother, That Seventy Show, The Office. Honestly, you could skip season one. Uh, but if you're gonna do just it, skip from season be- one. Just- honestly, skip season one. Just go straight into season two. The only thing you get from season one is there is and- one episode in season one that you have to watch though. Which one? The the one episode you have to watch in season one is that um, the race one. The oh, episode three. That's the good one. Yeah, that's that's the like one good one in season one. That one you have to watch. Then okay. you can skip the season. Okay, skip. Watch season. Watch the pilot. Watch episode three, and then just skip straight to the second season. Trust that's the yeah. only way to do it. Uh, well, Clyde, um, uh, before we go, what's one thing you want to be known for if you had to pick one? I don't, I wouldn't want to say that I want to be like known for anything, but I would say I, if I had to be known for something, I guess it'd be like me being known for being me, you know what I mean? Like, I don't want to be known as someone that's like uh, synthetic or whatever, I want, I want to. Being known as me. Yeah, I guess that's what I'd be, like to be known for. I wouldn't lie. Whatever. Whatever. Kind, compassionate, friendly neighborhood, Clivert. Um, that, that, that's what you want to be. Uh, it's been great to have you on, Clive. But as you know, all great things must end. You've been a wonderful guest. No, you. No, you. You've <laughs> no, been you. a wonderful host. And you look really nice, Carlos, with the, the suit and tie on. Thank you. I'm here with my sweater, you know, but yeah. 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 How, uh, your family's good? Quarantine? Everyone's good. We're all chilling like villains. That's still, that's still, right. that's what I like to hear. That's what I like to hear. Thank you for coming on. If you really like this episode, please subscribe or whatever it is you do on whatever platform you're listening to this podcast to add me and make sure that you're available and you can see when future content is uploaded. Thank you. Bye.